For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Uh, it's Jonathan Jenkins here. I'm going to be talking about uh, a topic. I'm sure you can see it in the <clears throat> in the um, discussion. No, I mean in the in the description. But uh, I'm going to talk about a topic, a very sensitive topic. It's a it's it's the topic of hell, uh, not just hell, but but the justice of hell, um, <clears throat> and and things related to hell, and specifically what comes out of Luke chapter 16 is what I'm going to talk about. Uh, before I do that, though, I'm going to double check. Let me make sure my audio is working. Not just hell, but, but the justice. Okay. So audio is working. Um, anyways, I'm going to be talking about this. Now, this, this what I'm using here for my notes is, um, <clears throat> is actually, it's actually a lesson that I taught this past youth night. Um, and I think it's important. I think I think Jesus talked about hell to put the fear of God in uh, people's lives. And I could see that a lot of a lot of the youth, uh, I could see it was at least getting to them. Uh, there was no salvations during that, but I could definitely see that there that it was getting to them. And I think that was Jesus's intention was that uh, the the reality of hell, <clears throat> the reality of eternal separation from God. Uh, really should frighten us, really should scare us. And, you know, before I begin, I'll just go ahead and say, uh, there people, I saw this Tuesday, but people, there, there's a lot of people who died as atheists, but there is not one single person that is dead today uh, that's an atheist. So in other words, when people die, and even if they do go to hell, I think uh, I think at that point, they realize that justice is being served for all the wrong that they did during their lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyways, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it uh, from, from Luke chapter 16. And I'm reading out of the King James here, uh, but Luke chapter 16, <clears throat> man, Uh, my pastor this morning, he was talking about, um, he was telling a story. He said, there's a boy, he said, uh, you know, one day, he said, one day when I, when I get to heaven, I want to ask Jonah what it was like to be in, in the big fish and the whale or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> he said, I want to, I want to ask Jonah what it was like to be in a big fish like that. And the, the, the guy or teacher, whoever he was, he said, no, there's no Jonah. There's no Jonah in heaven or anything like that. And he said, yeah, there is. My preacher said there was. And the Bible said there was. So uh, I believe there was, too. I believe Jonah existed and all this stuff. And, uh, and the boy and then the, the teacher, he said, well, what are you going to do when you get to heaven and, and Jonah's not there? How are you going to ask him a question? He said he thought about it for a second. He said, well, if he's not in heaven, I guess you'll have to ask the question for me. Uh, <laughs> in other words, saying you're garlic going to hell. Um but this is Luke chapter 16, one of the most vivid descriptions of hell. Uh, before I read this, and I didn't talk about this on a Tuesday because it's not something you really talk about um, to people who are weak or have no faith, uh, like my Tuesday group, because I am convinced and I'm the teacher, you know, I'm held responsible for what I teach and all that. But 
Uh, I'm convinced that hell, as described here in Luke chapter 16, is a literal place. It's a literal place, and it is exactly like it's described here in Luke chapter 16. Uh, in other places, too, it's described in different ways. But anyways, Luke chapter 16, I'm going to start with just reading verses 19 through 21. In the King James, it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. All right. So first we got the, the, the two characters. And Abraham, he comes in later on in this story. <clears throat> as that's the place where apparently Lazarus went. And we'll talk about that in here in a second. And he's, he finds security in Abraham's bosom. Uh, but this rich man, all right? So when the Bible talks about uh, here, it says the rich man... He was dressed in purple and fine linen. This is like fancy clothes, all right? So if you're looking at somebody today, there's certain people you could look at and say, wow, that person really doesn't have much money. Uh, you know, I'm probably one of those people <laughs> People look at and probably say, okay, he's got a little bit of money, but not a lot, you know, uh, mostly because I wear the same clothes all the time. Uh, but anyways, uh, but but the rich man, he wore he wore what it says, it says in verse 19, purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously, so he basically got whatever he want, ate whatever he want, all right? And then in the next verse, in verse 20, there is a certain beggar, and the beggar's name is Lazarus. Uh, I did a little bit of research on this, and it seems like the Lazarus here and the Lazarus mentioned uh, <clears throat> could possibly be the, the Lazarus, the, the, the brother of, of, of Mary and Martha, uh, in another story who was resurrected and all that. I think it'd be pretty spectacular if this was the same Lazarus, but uh, there's a high chance it may not be, and most people probably think, and most, most scholars think it's not the same Lazarus. Uh, but anyways... Uh, it could be or could not be. I don't really know all the reasons and stuff into that, and I'm sure it'd be a good study if you ever wanted to do it. <clears throat> yeah, I might do it myself, but uh, uh, but we have the beggar, all right? And uh, you think about uh, you think about all the beggars and things and the homeless people and the poor people we run across. You know, we got so many people that uh, that they just are abusive, abusive. You know, they they will try to go on the <clears throat> stand all day in the street and try to try to make you feel guilt you into giving them money, even though they're, they have money or whatever, you know, or they're just making poor decisions. But there are also people like, uh, sort of like this, this guy, Lazarus, who are actually poor and they actually need help. Uh, so Lazarus is one of those people. And uh, the whole context around this passage is about the issue of, of money. It's about the issue of money. Like in verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the other one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Then he says, You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Right? So the, the whole context here is about money. Um, and Jesus is basically saying that that rich people, uh, <clears throat> and he says it later on, you know, rich people have a harder time going into the kingdom because they have to give up things of the world, and rich people will just uh, have a harder time doing that. Uh, not that not that poor people have have it easy when they do it or nothing like that, but it's uh it's a lot harder for rich people. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, uh, and I, everybody I think I think there's good evidence that it's just a regular needle and it's not some secret door for the temple. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. But so it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for uh, a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, it's it, the Bible talks about Jesus talks about that it's difficult for Christian, it's difficult for rich people to enter the kingdom of God because they have to give up uh, so much. I think that's the reason that it's so difficult. So anyways, uh, we got the poor beggar. We got we got the rich man, the poor beggar, Lazarus. And uh, you just imagine this this poor beggar, and he, in verse 21, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sore. So 
Lazarus is is just on the ground like the rest of the dogs, you know. Uh, when when you toss food to a dog, you know, my dog, you know, I'll sneak food to him all the time or whatever, and I toss it, you know, I'm not going to feed it to him. Some people do that with their dogs. I don't do that, but uh, just tossing it to him, you know, I don't feel like it's disrespectful. The dog doesn't think anything else of it, you know. Uh, and and uh, he's just happy to get some food. But Lazarus, though a human being treated that way, uh, is is not a, is not a right way to do things, you know. If 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 it was a human being kneeling down beside me trying to uh, trying to wanted some food or whatever, uh, that'd be a little bit different story. <clears throat> so imagine a grown man with all kinds of skin disease and, and hurting and in pain with all these sores and all that. He's sitting there basically begging for food and hoping that he gets some food from this rich man who, if he wanted to help, he could have just gave him some food. You know, so, and what Jesus is talking about here, you know, these are the people that were mistreated by these rich and that uh, justice will be served to the rich that treat people this way. Uh, anyways, so <clears throat> the topic on this first part, before I get into the rest of this passage, is righteous or unrighteous. So uh, <clears throat> the Bible talks about, and this is why I, my views of soteriology and all that come into play, but the Bible talks about to be, uh, to be in the presence of God, you have to be righteous. You have to be righteous. Uh, and what, what happens is, especially with like youth today, and adults do it too, uh, everybody really does it. Uh, but w- what happens is they, people, we, we, we tend to, we tend to base our morality, our righteousness off other people. So you say, what do you mean by that, Jonathan? Well, glad you asked, cause I'm about to explain it. <clears throat> um, so how are, are you determine, determining yourself righteous? How are you determining yourself righteous? What is the, the standard that you're going by to say that I am a righteous person or I am a good person. Like if you ask people, do you think you're going to heaven? They might say, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person, you know, and maybe they'll list off some things and maybe they'll, they, they have in their minds though, everybody kind of has like this picture of somebody, maybe somebody they know or heard about or whatever, you know, and say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as the guy who's getting drunk every weekend and, uh, <clears throat> you know, driving all the time with, you know, getting drunk and driving or, uh, smoking pot or whatever it is, you know, uh, you can say, I'm not as bad as that person. So I must be a good person. Um, <clears throat> so what ends up happening is we base our morality, we base our righteousness off the people around us, right? So that's what ends up happening, but that's not the way we should do it. Because if, 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 uh, if we did, you know, let's, let's, let's get to an extreme example. So if we did that, we based it, we based morality off of things around us, uh, what we're saying is, and and everybody, if everybody's doing that, that means it's all coming from human beings, right? It's coming from human beings, and so we base it, and, and it comes from within ourselves and with from within other people. Uh, so it's it's all human based. All the more all our, our uh, morality, our righteousness is human based at that point. And so what that means is that everybody, <clears throat> every human being, would then have the right to live life however they wanted, and they have the right to come up with their own morality, their own uh, understanding, their own definition of what is good and what is righteous uh, and things like that. So that's what ends up happening is we start we start having subjective morality. So you take Hitler, for example, right? Hitler, in his mind, uh, he thought that what he was doing was a was a good thing, right? And if if we as human beings based our morality off of other people around us, if we based our morality off of ourselves, then we're, we, we have no right to tell somebody like Hitler what you're doing is wrong. 
right? We have no right to do that because Hitler has come up with his own morality. And not only that, he's he's built his culture around him that that he convinced himself that what he convinced himself that what he was doing was righteous. What he was doing was righteous. That's what he convinced himself to do. So when we come up with righteousness, we come up with morality and we base it solely on ourselves uh, or we base it on other human beings, then what we're saying is that that morality and righteousness comes from within us. And if it comes from within each single individual person, then we have a hard time coming up with laws. We have a hard time telling other people how their living is wrong. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and our uh, even even our, our government and everything, our, our laws of this land of America have been based off of, of Christian morals, of off of, not just Christian morals, but based off of God's character. All right. So uh, if so, if if we base our righteousness off of ourselves or other human beings, then none of us really have the right because it's all coming from our if it's coming from other human beings or the culture it's still coming from human beings. It's still coming from individuals. It's still coming from subjective morality instead of objective. So objective means something that's out, outside of ourselves. Uh, so if it's doing that, then then that means we have subjective morality and subjective morality makes it where we can't tell anybody how to live their lives. Uh, you know, and I always like Robbie Zacharias. Uh, <clears throat> it's so weird to quote him now, but you know, I always like Robbie Zacharias. He said, uh, somebody would ask him, well, what's your big problem with subjective morality? And he said, well, do you lock your doors at night? Uh, I didn't understand that for a long time. But what he was saying was, if you trusted the way that other people, uh, other people's morality was, if you trusted how they defend themselves and things like that, if you really trusted subjective morality, then you wouldn't be worried about leaving your doors unlocked at night, you know, or having a gun in your home. Uh, because you would just say, okay, other people's subjective morality is so good that I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Uh, but I will say this, uh, that without God, without God, there is no such thing as objective morality. So objective morality, again, is, is morality and righteousness that has to come from outside of ourselves. And so if it comes from within ourselves, it's not objective. It's subjective. It's, 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 it's based on the subject. <coughs> uh, my headphone out of my ear, but it's based on the subject, right? So without God, though, there is no objective morality. That is, uh, uh, so what I mean by that is we, we um, <clears throat> let me just back up. So to, to defend that, that God is our source of objective morality, all right? We all know that there are things that are wrong. We all know that there are things that are wrong. The Bible even says this in Romans, that God has put it on our hearts he, that, that to know the difference between right and wrong. So we all know that there are objective moral standards, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you grew up, these things are wrong. Uh, and, and there's different reasons that we disagree on various things or whatever. Uh, I think it all roots in a hardening of a heart uh, from human beings and very much convincing other human beings away from the objective morality that's given to us. But there is this objective moral standard and we all know it. We all know that murdering the innocent is wrong. <clears throat> we all know that murdering the innocent is wrong. Even Hitler knew that murdering the innocent was wrong. He just didn't think the Jews were innocent. Because if somebody were to show up and murder Hitler, then Hitler would say, well, actually, you know what? Murdering is actually wrong. It's a, it's a bad thing to do. Um, so this means, though, if there is this, this standard outside of ourselves, you think like C.S. Lewis said, how do I know a, a, a crooked line is crooked without seeing a straight line? You know, so when you think about that in, in terms of morality, 
what C.S. Lewis was saying was, how would I know that something is bad without having something good? So there is this standard of good and bad, this, this standard of righteousness, this objective moral standard. And that makes it necessary, I believe, that God does exist, because without God, there is no objective moral standard. I would challenge anybody, I would challenge anybody to make it, <clears throat> to give me uh, solid reasons, a solid explanation from to where objective morals could come from, if not from God. Uh, if you could, <laughs> you would be a very famous person, because many atheists have tried it, and most of them get to the point of, uh, you know, <laughs> Or it's found in, you know, in a selfish gene or something like that. It's all these bad ideas, I think. I think they're terrible answers, and I think they're cop-outs. <laughs> so I would challenge anybody. If you want to go on here and defend how you think you can come up with objective morality without God, you let me know, and we'll debate it, and we'll talk about it. All right. But then you think about that. If, if God is the one that gives us objective morals, if our objective standard is, if our, if our standard of righteousness comes from God, then what is the standard? You know, if God is the standard, that means that the standard is perfection, perfection. I'm not saying that, you know, you're, you, you balance out your karma or whatever. I'm saying that the standard is absolute perfection. All right. <clears throat> That's why Jesus says this. This is Matthew 19, 24. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. And so this is what they say after that. The disciples, when they heard this. In the next couple of verses, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus told them, uh, he said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, it, it, and what God was doing was he was using Jesus as this opening, as, as this opportunity for us as fallen sinful creatures to become righteous, to become the righteousness of God, to become the perfection of God. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're listening to this, you're probably really confused, or maybe you are a Christian and you're confused about this, but uh, that means that it's not that we are <clears throat> perfectly righteous that in, in the way that we are just going to live a perfect life. It's God, instead of looking at us, we are, we are positionally righteous in his eyes. So when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees forgiveness. He sees grace. He sees mercy. He looks at us and looks at Jesus instead after we're saved. And we are declared righteous by God. And then because of that, we are able to live more righteous day by day and we become, as we become more Christ-like in our path. All right? So now we'll get to the next verse. And the question I have now for verse 22 is, are you ready? Listen to verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. All right? So that's, uh, <clears throat> that's kind of a whole other discussion for another day. But there is a debate about uh, whether... People before the resurrection of Jesus, did they did they go straight to heaven where God is? Or did they go to this place called, uh, they, most people call it paradise, because Jesus says on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, <clears throat> so did they go straight to heaven or did they go to paradise first? And then once Jesus was resurrected, then all those believers in God, all those people who had their faith and stuff in God and the Messiah and things like that, they were able to go to heaven with Jesus. Uh, that's a pretty big debate. I won't get into that a whole lot now, but I'm pretty much convinced because you have to be perfect to be in the presence of God. I don't think that we could have perfection until after Jesus was resurrected. So I do think people went to a place called paradise. And so that's where I think Lazarus was here. Uh, and then Lazarus went uh, went to heaven after, uh, <clears throat> and Abraham too, went to heaven after Jesus was resurrected. So now they are actually in the presence of God there. 
Uh, but the next part says the rich man also died and was buried. And now we get into the description of uh, of the person. So are you are you Lazarus? Are you the the beggar, the the meek and lowly servant of God? Uh, you know, and Lazarus was not just justified by anything he did or any way he acted. He was justified by who he believed in. That's very important. Very, very important. He believed and had faith in God. He had believed and had faith in, in the truth of God. And now we are called to have faith in Jesus Christ specifically for what he did for us and that he was resurrected and things like that. Uh, we're called to do that. Uh, and so we're called to put our faith in Jesus. Or are you the rich man? Uh, you know, and, and here the, the love of money is the problem. You know, it's not you can you can have all the money. You can be the richest man in the world. You know, it, it's not the it's not money that's the problem it's the love of money uh you can have money you can, you should have money you know you should be able to be a good steward of your money and have money and be able to take care of your wife and kids and all that kind of thing uh you know or but are you the rich man though and where where money is basically your god you know are you an enemy the bible says if you're not a follower of god then you're an enemy of god and you're a follower of satan uh so are you a follower of satan and, and is money your kind of your path to that or are you a follower of god like Lazarus was. <clears throat> and it's funny, I've seen so many people, uh, I, I even, I talked to a kid the other day, he, he literally will post pictures of his, uh, his truck, and he'll, it's like the most important thing to, to him in his life. Uh, and people, people put those kinds of things, if you are like the rich man, this is good signs, when you put worldly things above anything else, above godly things, or whatever, uh, <laughs> you become like a, you become this worldly person, just like the rich man here. And I, I've seen this guy, he says, uh, uh, he even, he, you know, I've seen all kinds of people, they put, they got these fancy cars or fancy houses, and those, you can obviously tell those are the most important things to them, uh, because they don't have God, and it's pretty obvious that they don't have God. Uh, but those things are not lasting things. And here's another important point. To be like the rich man, uh, it's, it's really to be a sinner. We're all sinners, right? And when we sin, this is an important part to understand the justice of hell. When we sin, we're not sinning uh, just against people. We're not sinning against ourselves. You know, some sins, like sexual sins, are they're sins against your own body. The, uh, Paul talks about it in the Bible. Uh, but there's also sins that are directly against other people, like bullying or something like that, or making fun of somebody or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> there, there's, there's sins that are against other people. But all sins, because God created all things. He created all things with a purpose. He created human beings in the likeness and the image of God. You know, so even when you sin against a person, you're actually sinning against God. You're not doing what God told you to do. You're being disobedient to God. And the main, the, the really true, the only true sin is disobedience to God. And when you're disobedient to God, you're actually sinning against God. And so every sin that we do is sin against God, which means in, in a justice sense, <clears throat> that means that our sins uh, you know, if we if we're gonna if we're gonna be you know we're gonna pay justly for our sins, that our sins are based on our sins are based on our our penalty for the sins is based on what we've done, who we've done it to. If we've sinned against God, who is an eternal holy being, then the 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 punishment the punishment for our sin is an eternal punishment. It's an eternal punishment that is complete justice. That is complete justice. So if you ask me and say, Jonathan, do you think you should be in hell? I say, yeah, I think I should be in hell uh, because I am a horrible, sinful human being. Uh, but now, 
or I was, I should say, but now I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have been declared righteous by Jesus Christ. I, I have accepted the, the free gift of God. Like Grace Bond Ministries is based off Ephesians 2.8. Uh, for it is by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, for it is the gift of God. So I've accepted the free gift of God to pay for my sins for me. So God incarnate, he came to this earth, manifested himself in Jesus to pay for our sins. And all we have to do is accept it. Imagine though, imagine the debt. Imagine the debt that we owe to God. Uh, it is a massive, I mean, a massive, massive, massive amount of debt. Every single sin we've ever committed against a just and holy and perfect God, a eternal God. You know, and, and to understand this a little better, I've heard this illustration. You know, imagine you're in a parking lot and you, you're pushing a cart around. I had, my first car was a 1990 Oldsmobile. And if you were to run a cart into my Oldsmobile and scratch it, uh, I probably wouldn't think much of it. I'd say, oh, don't worry about it. Or if I did, you know, you fix the scratch in the Oldsmobile, it'd be like 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something. Uh, but if you rolled a cart and you accidentally hit somebody's Corvette, you know, then the price is going to increase tremendously to get that scratch out. And it will come out, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> somebody's Corvette. Uh, but that, that, the same way, you know, you sin against uh, a human being. Okay, you know, you can work it out. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth or something like that. Uh, something just in that sense. or uh, when you realize that you actually are sinning against God, then the punishment, the payment has to be something equal of equal value to what God is, uh, which is an eternal value. So that's where hell comes in. It's a, it's a place. Uh, it's an eternal place of torment where we pay for the sins that we've committed against God. For the sins we committed against God. So you are either one or the other. You're either uh, righteous like a Lazarus or you're unrighteous like like this rich man in this story. Hebrews 9, 27, it says, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is the judgment. So we don't know when we'll die. We don't know where we'll die. We don't know how we'll die. But we do know that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, and as soon as we die, it says that we face the judgment of God. And there is a, there's a future judgment and things like that as well. But we face the judgment of God after death. <clears throat> so now let's talk about the two destinations, all right? The two destinations. 22, verse 22, uh, the rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would, would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. All right, so heaven or hell. Uh, we just talked about, you know, the difference, you know, the, the debate about do Old Testament people go to heaven or whatever. So I want to get back into that. But did you know that most people believe in heaven? 72% of all people believe that heaven exists. But only about 50% actually believe in hell. And I would guess that even less than that percentage actually believe that they deserve hell. Uh, so, so because if you don't have hell, some people will say, well, that's where Hitler, people like Hitler or Stalin would go, you know, uh, or, or Osama bin Laden or something like that. Uh, somebody would, somebody might say that, you know, that's, that's for people like that or for these, this evil devil, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and that's, there's some truth to that, uh, but that's not all hell is for. Hell is for anybody who has not accepted the righteousness of God, who needs to pay their own penalty themselves, who decides to pay their own penalty themselves, 
I should say. Uh, but even then, people people start saying, "Oh, there's multiple ways to heaven," or or uh, people say, "Well, I'm a pretty good person, so I'll go to heaven." You know, like we were talking about earlier with righteous and unrighteous. Uh, but once Jesus was resurrected, though, he opened up heaven for us. And uh, by faith, we're labeled as righteousness. Uh, we're, we're labeled perfect. You know, and we can be in the presence of God. <clears throat> uh, but by his grace, though, he grants us, Jesus grants us, God grants us righteousness paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when a Christian says, uh, we believe that Christ died for you and was resurrected for you, we mean it. He paid your price, and you have to accept him or pay the price yourself. Those are your two options. Um, so hell, but hell, though, has been, hell's been open for a very long time. I don't see any indication in Scripture. Um, I, and there's, there is a debate, you know, is hell a literal place or not a literal place? Is it just separation from God, or is it just outer darkness, or what is it? You know, is it soul sleep? There's all kinds of different things. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty firm in the fact that I believe that hell is a literal place, just like described here in, in uh Luke 16, and, and again, in, in Revelation, it talks about the lake of fire and Satan and evil being thrown into the lake of fire. Um, <clears throat> but hell has been open for a long time, though. And uh, it seems like even here that this guy, even though this was before Jesus, hell was still the same after Jesus. It's still a place for eternal torment for those who do not put their faith in God. Uh, so hell is actually is a place for every unrighteous person. Uh, and what that really means, though, is hell is for every single person that has not accepted Jesus, that is not cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and is not made righteous by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so in order for us to be, again, for us to be in the presence of God, we have to be declared righteous. We have to be perfect, uh, like, like God is perfect, to be in his presence. And that comes only through salvation. Jesus makes that possible. There was a video. I don't. I don't. I, I can't. I don't want to play it right now. But um, not really sure how. But there's a video on YouTube you can look up, and it's called "A Letter from Hell," and it's a, a fictitious story that talks about this guy who tells a, shares a letter from hell. Uh, like he he went there and he's telling his he's asking his friend why he didn't tell him about Jesus or whatever. But it gives you this glimpse into what hell is really like, and that it is this place of eternal torment. And I think that's a good motivation. I think that's really good motivation for us to. Uh, share the gospel with our loved ones, share the gospel with our friends and tell them, like, listen, if you don't, uh, if you don't turn your life around, if you don't turn your life around, if you don't give yourself over to Jesus, if you don't accept the what Jesus has done for you, uh, then that's where you'll be is, is in hell forever. And I think that's a motivation to us to share the gospel. So that video is called A Letter from Hell if you want to watch it. Now, listen to this, though. This is one of the most clear passages in the Old Testament that 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 uh, references the Messiah. Now, there's a big thing Jewish people they they don't uh, they don't believe this passage is is reference to the Messiah or whatever. Uh, now they come up with that a couple hundred years ago, but uh, <clears throat> or like a thousand years ago now, I guess. But they uh, they don't think this is actually about the Messiah or whatever. But it seems pretty clear. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus did. Uh, but listen to this. If, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray, and have, we have churned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus paid our sin penalty. People, uh, a lot of people have a hard time. You know, why would God? Why would a loving God send people to hell? But God does not send people to hell. Uh, that's justice. You know, for one, justice is being served in hell. I'm I'm very convinced of that. Justice is being served in hell. Uh, it's an eternal punishment for any for for sinning against an eternal being. But he, by his grace and by his love and compassion, he has made it. He has come to this earth. He has manifested in Jesus Christ to die for our sins in order that we could be saved. And so it's pretty simple. Uh, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So believe, believe in Jesus, believe in what he taught, what he did, and the significance of his death. Believe that Jesus died for you and confess that, that, you, that you are willing. You're, you believe what Jesus is saying is so true that you're willing to give up your worldly, uh, your worldly life, your past life, and, to, and you're willing to, to follow Jesus Christ. That you're willing to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, this is... This is the most important thing to understand for non-Christian people. Uh, but listen, if you disagree with me, you know, for one, if you disagree with me on this page, I'm willing to have anybody on. We'll talk and we'll we'll try to uh, debate a little bit and see if we can get anywhere. But um, <clears throat> if you disagree with me, uh, you you better know your stuff. This is this is pretty heavy. Don't just shut this out. Listen to it, uh, study it, question, ask questions, and find out yourself: is this actually true or not? Is this actually true or not? Because if I'm right and you're wrong, then you've you've literally just wasted your entire eternity, and you will be in a literal place called hell, uh, where where there is this eternal flame that you're cast into, and there you you actually will confess that yes, Jesus Christ was Lord. Yes, God does exist. Uh, you know, and if I'm wrong, you know, I just basically wasted my life, like Paul says. You know, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, you know, I'm just like the most miserable man to ever live because I just wasted my whole life. You know, a life that could have been spent doing other things. So, uh, but make sure though that that you know this. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, do read Romans ten nine and ten and see how you can become a Christian. Read read Isaiah fifty three and see what Jesus did for you. Uh, but this is important stuff. So don't just don't just ignore it. Uh, I don't. I would hate for. I I mean the same. I have the same heart as God has. God says I desire that all men come to repentance. All men <laughs> come to repentance. Into the knowledge of Him, so I I have the same desire that God has that that all people would be saved. I know they won't because of free will and all that stuff, but I have a desire that all men would be saved. So I pray that as, if you're listening to this, that you will also uh, you'll heed this, you'll listen to this, and you'll you'll at least think about it and challenge yourself, challenge your thoughts on it. Uh, and, and I pray that you are prepared for your eternal destiny. Thank you for watching. <coughs> uh, find. I, it's probably not a great uh, sale video, you know, to get you to like my page and all that because it's a pretty heavy topic. But, uh, you know, go like the page on Facebook, um, subscribe on YouTube and uh, find find all these all this and this one and other podcasts on your on whatever you listen to podcasts. Grace Bond Ministries, you can find the YouTube videos on YouTube. Uh, same thing under Grace Bond Ministries. <clears throat> I will say this, though, I've got uh, at least 
three more podcasts that are actually in the works right now. Uh, one of them is, is a conversation that I'm going to have uh, with my wife. We're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about how God, uh, how even though the doctor said that uh, her, that she was infertile and would have a baby, that she uh, she was blessed by God to have a baby. And now, now we have a baby on the way. We're going to kind of talk about that story, look at some scriptures, and try to give some encouragement to the people who are struggling with that same thing. Uh, I've also got another friend, uh, Corey. She, she, me and her are going to try to talk about, uh, the plan is to talk about how to have better conversations uh, online or with people and how to deal with uh, people who sometimes are painting the bucks, uh, just to be honest. <clears throat> uh, we're going to try to talk about that, hopefully. And... Um, we're also going to talk about, I've got an, uh, I don't know exactly what that one's going to look like yet, but I know we're going to talk about um, something along the lines of how, how to have fruitful discussions and not yelling matches, something like that. And uh, we're also going to talk about, I got another podcast with Austin Pounds again, uh, me and him presented on uh, our objections to Calvinism, some of them. Uh, I mean, it was only an hour, so you cover what you can, but... <clears throat> We we presented our objections to Calvinism, but we really didn't uh, we really didn't share what we what we really believe about some of those things. And and Austin and I actually disagree on some of those things. So Austin and I are planning something where we can talk about uh, at least where we're at. Me and him, I don't think I think he's a little more set in stone where he's at than I am. Uh, I'm I'm a little I'm a little on on edge about everything. Even he said it sounds like you're trying to mix together all the different views with what I believe. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really certain exactly about what I believe, but uh, that'll be a very interesting discussion Austin and I are going to have. And we're just going to kind of tackle some questions and just give our thoughts on them. You know, how people get saved as God predestined people, uh, does, how, how, where does free will play into salvation and life in general and stuff like that. Uh, so that's going to be a very interesting uh, discussion. <clears throat> so got three new podcasts on the way and who knows whatever, whatever else the Lord will put on my heart. To share as well. So, uh, anyways, thank you for watching and uh, like, subscribe, and share whatever you, whatever you can do to, to uh, support Grace Bond Ministries. I would definitely appreciate it. So, uh, anyways, thank you for watching, and I hope you have a wonderful day.